Together we can mobilize a global mission force to finish the task. This is your tribe. Brothers and sisters, welcome to our uh, special program. Uh, this one is called This is a Tribe. And this, uh, this edition, uh, this episode, uh, we invite our special guests actually from uh, Northern Thailand. <laughs> Brian <laughs> is, uh, is based in uh, Chiang Mai. And we, last time I visited him, the, uh, the base and the school is still called, the ministry is still called SVN2, a Student Volunteer Movement 2. But now is GMMI. Um, so Ryan, just um, take it over. Let us know who you are and just a little bit about your journey. All right. Well, thank you, bro, for having me on, man. It's a, a pleasure to get to talk about mission mobilization. This is my yeah. passion to talk with people who are like-minded of the same tribe. Uh, so it's very, very cool. Very, very special uh, to be here with you. So my journey uh, as a mobilizer, well, first of all, you have to go way, way, way back in my history. I am actually a fourth generation missionary. All right. All right. So that's very hard to find these days. In our day and age, <laughs> you, don't, you don't find something like that very common. So my parents were in Papua New Guinea with Wycliffe Bible translators. Many of you wow. know Wycliffe, of course. My grandparents were in the southern part of India, and then my great-grandparents uh, were in the Philippines, in the southern part, in Mindanao, the Muslim kind of dominated uh, area of, of the Philippines. So I've kind of had missions in my blood, people tell me, uh, but when I was growing up, I didn't want to have anything to do with it, and I won't go into all that story, but God had to kind of really put it in my heart in a very special, significant way. I didn't want to do this just because it was my family thing. Uh, I wanted this to be clearly a call from God for me. Uh, and when I was about 19 years of age, the Lord clearly spoke to me. I was back on a trip in Papua New Guinea, and uh, I was a little bit anti-missions at that time. And again, I won't get into all the reasons behind that, but I know. Uh, but I love the Lord. I, I, was a, I was a committed young disciple. I was kind of on fire for Jesus. I wanted to follow him. Whatever he wanted for my life, as long as it was in America, that was my deal with God. And uh, the Lord kind of shook that up a little bit. And when I was back in Papua New Guinea visiting, when I'm 19 years old with my family, the Lord really got a hold of my heart. And, and he put a question into my mind. And that's why people have asked me over the years, well, how do you know that God was speaking to you? How do you know it wasn't just your own mind, your own imagination? And, and I tell them, I said, because I would never, ever have asked myself this question. And the question that the Lord put into my mind, like clear as day, was, Ryan, will you give your life for the nations of the world? Will that's a very dangerous life. Statement. For the nations of the world, I was angry. I said, Oh Lord, I thought we had a deal. I thought we had a deal. So anyway, but I was a I was a committed enough believer mm -hmm. that I knew I had to obey. And so my response to the Lord to that question was, Lord, I'm willing that you make me willing. I am willing that you 
change my heart, you heal some of the wounds, the wrong understandings, and then give me a fiery passion for, for the nations. And over the next years, he did that. So when I'm 20, I'm 21, I'm 22, I'm saying, okay, Lord, I'm, I, I got the call for missions, but now what? Missions is big. Yeah. What, is, what is my specific role uh, in this calling? And that's when the Lord began to uh, highlight this role of a mobilizer. And so I kind of knew when I was uh, at those early years, 2021, 20, 22, that I would not be a church planter. I knew I would be living among the unreached and I would be traveling around the world in missions, but not as a church planter, not as a frontline kind of a guy. I saw that my role was meant to be stirring up the church, helping the body of Christ to really understand this calling of the Great Commission, uh, and not necessarily just mobilizing a few people for a specific organization, but really helping the church and helping believers begin to put the Great Commission into the center of their lives. And so since I was 22, 23, that's what I've kind of dedicated uh, myself too. And I've learned over the years and the Lord has, has taught us so, so much. I've been doing now mission mobilization uh, for over 20 years uh, among kind of global South contexts or global South churches and campus groups and uh, doing it a long time and learned a lot over that period. Seen stuff that works, seen stuff that doesn't work so well. And so just trying to kind of step by step walk with the Lord and say, Okay, Lord, what do you want to do in terms of mobilizing your global body to understand and to prioritize this great commission thing? Mm. Uh, so that's a little bit about my background and my journey and kind of how I got into mobilization. I will add one thing, though. So when I was 22, I was in a meeting, and you, Ray, you, you're wearing the shirt right now, the perspectives course for Thailand. Come on, brother. So I was actually in a meeting in Pasadena, California with Ralph Winter. And at this meeting, I was this young, fiery, going to the unreached, let's just reach all the nations. I was focused on kind of the church planting side at that time because I hadn't gotten into the mobilizing thing yet. And Ralph Winter said this. He said, the most important role in the entire mission movement is the role of a mobilizer. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much his thing. His, 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 his thing. thing. And that's become my thing. But when I heard it, I was angry. <laughs> I said, what? What are you talking about? I said, yeah. who's this old guy saying that mobilizer is more important than the frontline missionary, the, the, the church planter himself? Because I had the idea that the frontline was the most important instead of the multiplication of those people and that's what mobilizing is and that's what caught my attention is to say man if we can do raise up many many more workers through mobilization than just me going as a frontline church planter i said i'll i'll do that uh because that just made logical sense to me so it's kind of ralph winter's fault as well <laughs> many people have to blame that well probably <laughs> talking about you know mission or or legacy you have in your family line you know i i always i'm always curious and and trying to ask this uh, so-called m case a tc case and where's home for you <laughs> you know it's, this is really 
It's a good know, question. <laughs> because people say, you know, everywhere is home, but nowhere is really home. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And my children are being raised like that right now. My children are very confused. So my son was born in Canada, but he's an American citizen. Then he lived in Turkey. Now he lives in Thailand and he's going to go to America for university in a few years. So he's like, what do I tell people that ask me where I'm from? So what I say for me is that uh, Thailand is definitely home. We actually today we are celebrating my family and I we are celebrating yeah, I our 10 year. Did you see that on Facebook? Yeah, we are celebrating our 10 years of living uh, in Thailand. So on June 10th, 2011, we first landed here. So this is by far the longest that I've lived uh, in one specific nation. I kind of traveled around a little bit uh, in previous times, but this is home for sure. Yeah, this is really interesting that I, I often tell people who is counting, but that there are some people really counting the day. It's like, oh yeah, that was the day. <laughs> and it was. It's really, really oh, it's important. Yeah. yeah. It was really interesting that you post the picture that when you're kids, I like really like small, like yeah. kids, right? And now they're yeah. like so grown up. Yeah, teenagers and so big. My son yeah. is almost taller than me, and I'm I'm quite tall. I'm six foot two inches, and he's yeah. Gonna pass me very soon. <laughs> yeah, I must be the tallest in the neighborhood. <laughs> I think so. I think he is. I think he yeah. Is. And and let let me ask you this. So so what what brought you to uh, Thailand? Why yeah. why why Chiang Mai? Right. I mean, Great yeah. Of question. course, people people say you know Thailand visa is easier. Uh, it's easy for expats to live there, uh, living standard, mm -hmm. and also at the so called the global south at the field. So, but yeah. what is your reason? Yeah, great question. Well, uh, when we got into mobilization, the Lord was pretty clear with us about a few different things. Number one, that our focus, our kind of ministry assignment from the Lord was to be focused on mobilizing the Global South Church. So even as an American, uh, we did a little bit of, of uh, SVM2 activities, mobilization stuff on college campuses in the U.S. and in Canada in those early, early years. Uh, but quickly, we got out of the Western world. So we spent four years living in Turkey. And one of the things that the Lord spoke to us also is that where we live is meant to be an example in our mobilization. So even though we are mobilizing the church in the global south, where we actually are based and where we lived mattered. And so uh, as he was leading us initially, uh, he led us to the country of Turkey, which is very centrally located in the world. So I could get from Turkey down to Africa, five, six hour flight. I could get over here to Asia, seven, eight, nine hour flight. I could get back to North America pretty easily. Uh, so it was a good central location, but it was Muslim. It was totally unreached. Turkey, if you don't know anything about Turkey, even now today, uh, only about 4,000 born-again believers, Turkish background believers in the entire yeah. country. 4,000. Right. It's tiny. It's absolutely heartbreaking. 80 million people in the population. Exactly. So it's like, I mean, Thailand is small percentage of believers as well, but Turkey, much more much smaller, I mean, a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage. And so that was part of the Lord's leading of us was, I want you yourselves 
to be based in a place like that so that when you are going out and you're working with churches and organizations and, and campus ministries, your message is come reach the world. And hey, I live in the midst of it. I live in the midst of the unreached. And I'll tell you, man, uh, it, it, that, that changing those little things, it it makes the message so much stronger. So if I had been, you know, an American living in a living in America, having some nice office in the middle of America somewhere, and I go out with this message, it, it it's not as strong. But when people say, well, where do you live? And I say, well, I live in Turkey, or now we live in Thailand, very, very small uh, percentage of true followers of Jesus also here, very unreached nation. But as you said, uh, the visa is pretty easy. The cost of living is quite reasonable. Um, it's easy to kind of get in and out normally when we don't have COVID kind of situations. <laughs> uh, so that was also part of the Lord's leading of us because what we do here with a training school, we needed a place where foreign uh, foreigners, tourists, uh, pastors from different countries, different backgrounds, different places could easily uh, get accessible or accessibility into this nation. So it kind of, it, there's several reasons behind it, but it's strategic, uh, very strategic to be out of the Western world, to be in the unreached world. But then also there was some practical logistic things related to people being able to get into the country more easily uh, than other countries. That's actually why we had to leave Turkey. Um, we wanted to stay. We love Turkey. Uh, we would have stayed there. My family and I, we would have uh, we had a, a an SVM2 base that was there. But when we started this training arm of what we do, the government of Turkey would not issue even yeah. one, two month visas. They wouldn't issue visas to certain nationalities, which those were the nationalities of, of people that needed to come to our training. So it became very clear that there was that that was not sustainable. And that's when we began to pray and the Lord highlighted uh, Chiang Mai to us. Mm -hmm. Ryan, I don't know if you are uh, aware that uh, I uh, I've been traveling uh, to a lot of different countries. Um, I, I was um, I was on one of the ON ships. I was with uh, World Vision. Uh, and I was, um, you know, I'm still today a mobilizer. So, uh, and I've been to more than 70 countries. And if, if people ask me where I would love to stay and go back again and again, that would be Turkey, you know. Yes. <laughs> so, many, so many reasons to, to love the place wow. and I love the people Beautiful. as well. And, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I, can, I, can, I can understand what you're, what, where you're coming from. <laughs> but also at the same time, uh, since you're uh, there in, uh, in, in Thailand, um, so just, uh, just a bit of history of uh, GMMI and how this has become that global mission mobilization initiative, right? Uh, but yes. What, 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 what's, what's on your heart and what's your passion? Yeah. Why, is, why is a school? Yeah, well, it, it, that's a part of what we do, yeah. So GMMI started as uh, SVM2, Student Volunteer Movement 2. So uh, you guys, the tribe of mobilizers, you might know a little bit of the history uh, of the student volunteer movement from the late 1800s, this kind of Western missionary movement in those uh, final years of the 1800s, early years of the 1900s. So when I was at Fuller Seminary, I went to Fuller Seminary uh, to get my master's degree. And I was studying under, you know, some of these great uh, mission historians and reading about the history of the mission movement and coming across the student volunteer movement. It just captivated me. I, I just, 
there was something about it that was so uh, just contagious and influential and just inspiring. I just said, Lord, uh, wow, this is awesome what you did among college students, 100 plus now, years ago. Uh, what's on your heart now? And that became my, my prayer in terms of the student generation. And so as I was moving towards graduating from, from seminary, from Fuller there, uh, some of my mentors and some you know pretty major mission leaders in the body of Christ who come through Fuller. Fuller is kind of known for those, you know, the, the, the kind of that high academic with a lot of these great leaders in the global mission movement. And so I got to rub shoulders and meet and have them as my mentors. It was just so, so rewarding. Uh, and many of them said, you know, God is stirring up this mobilization movement among the young generation but not just in the in the in the western world anymore that was the history that was student volunteer movement so that's when the lord led us to say okay let's go for a number two and let's pray that god would raise this up again and so we did that for 15 uh, actually more than that 15 16 17 years and just about two years ago the lord uh, had been leading us in different ways and we kind of started to evolve more, not just providing tools and mobilization and resources for mobilization to the student generation, but now to the wider uh, body of Christ. So our passion in Global Mission Mobilization Initiative is to help resource, not meaning money, not meaning funding, I always have to clarify that, uh, <laughs> but meaning, meaning tools and meaning teaching and meaning trainings and meaning strategies for ways that uh, local ministries, that's what we want to kind of focus on, to get down to the grassroots where, where a local church is or a campus ministry is or even a Bible school, to be able to help an entity like those groups be able to mobilize and equip their own people. So instead of needing uh, a guy like Ray to come through and speak to a group, beautiful, we love that, uh, that's a great part of the journey, but then Ray leaves. Okay, and then what happens? The church needs to kind of continue to sustain its mission understanding, its mission vision. Oh, but the great mobilizer, Ray, he left. Now what do we do? So what we try and do is say, okay, let's help the churches. Let's help the local ministries with the tools that are necessary so that they don't necessarily need an outside mobilizer. They are doing it themselves from within. And so that's really, really our passion. And so we help local ministries do that, and we help ministry structures. So umbrella, even denominations and church networks, we want to work with these networks so that um, these tools can kind of go from top down if they're that kind of, a, of an organization or kind of a flat organization. Yeah. So the training, the training side, I remember, uh, I think it was 2004, so a long, long time ago now. I met, you spoke of uh, OM, being on the OM ships. So I got a chance to meet George Verwer. And, and today we have a great relationship. We've developed a, a good kind of mentoring relationship. But the first time I met him was in 2004. And I remember, uh, you know, it was a big missions, it was a Lausanne meeting, I think. And, you know, there's two, 3,000 leaders there, whatever. And so I saw George and I said, oh, I've read his books. I, I know this man. I want to meet this guy. <laughs> and so the Lord actually orchestrated it that at one of the meals, uh, we actually sat together at, uh, at, at one of the tables. And so I remember asking him at, at, I think it was lunch. I said, look, 
you know, I'm kind of into mobilization and all this stuff. I said, I said, I want to, I want to learn from you. I want to pick your brain. I said, uh, do you know any training right now that is focused on training mission mobilizers? I said, you know, we have lots of mission training. We have lots of church planting training, but do you know anything? And if there's anybody that would have known, it would be George Verwer. He's got his hands in everything. Uh, and so he kind of thought for a little bit and he said, you know, I, I can't think of it. I can't think of kind of a mobilizing training thing that trains mobilizers how to do this role, how to do this work effectively. And so that really led me. That was the first conversation that led me to kind of start asking the Lord, Lord, uh, do you want us to do something like that? Is that part of uh, your kind of mandate or directive for, for us as a ministry? And over time, uh, he began to clarify that. And so that's one of the schools that we provide. It's a one month uh, mission mobilization. We call it the Mobilizer Equipping School. So if you're a leader out there that kind of uh, feels like, well, maybe I'm a mobilizer, but I don't really know, I, I need to learn a little bit more about this, then this equipping school can, can really help you in that. And then that was the very, very first training school we did. And then from that, we started to learn and find other holes, gaps in the mission mobilization process. And so then we added another training school uh, that just focuses on pastors. So pastors come to our training center, or now we're doing some of this online uh, as well, so that the pastors can start to learn how to mobilize and equip their own local ministry uh, for the Great Commission. So we train the pastors, then they go back to their own churches, and then they implement uh, the different tools and messages and uh, kind of strategies that we, that we empower them with. So yeah, it's been really, really fun to kind of get into the training side, uh, and really serve the Global South Church related to mission mobilization emphasis. Yeah. Great. I just want to follow that up, especially uh, you're talking about mobilization. Um, do you think there is a need or there should be, should be a term, uh, you know, to be, to be called so-called the mobiology, mm -hmm. you know, like a separation from, you know, the, the broader theology or missiology, uh, you know, background thinking, but, you know, more specific, you know, uh, for, for me personally, uh, as a mobilizer, I think this is very important to have uh, something more specific and, and people can be devoted to. And uh, for the last, uh, I will say last, for the last decade, I think uh, simply mobilizing the, the Kairos movement, they have, you know, brought this term to, to the awareness of a global church. But do you, do you think it's, it's, it needs to be more uh, specific and, you know, I, I shouldn't say extra, you know, exercise expertise, but, you know, how, how can we get it more serious in terms of mobiology? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I think that the, uh, I call it the mission mobilization movement. Uh, I believe there is a movement that the Holy Spirit is orchestrating uh, related to mission mobilization that is obviously connected to the broader mission movement as a whole and yet it's separate because of its different emphasis points so mobilization is very different than the big picture purpose of uh, mission as a whole 
its emphasis points are different, its, uh, its philosophies are different, its theology is, is going to be different as well. And so, yeah, I've been actually writing quite a bit on this very subject, on mm -hmm. looking at how can we uh, have mobilization as almost an entity of its own scene, because uh, I mean, everywhere I go, I observe this. Uh, people get excited about talking about missions as the end result, but they totally leave out the vehicle to mobilize that church into mission. It's this mobilization focus. And so it's like we're trying to we're trying to push the mission movement forward without giving attention to the mobilization movement as as an entity. It's almost like we just expect that it will be there to help people get engaged in mission, but it's not, it doesn't happen all by itself. So yes, I, I totally think it, we need to define an entity, uh, the mission mobilization entity on its own, and then we need to theologize about it. That just means we need to come yeah, up with yeah. a theology of mobilization. And actually, I was just on a podcast last night. You mentioned the, the one connect, connected with Trinity, and that was the subject of that uh, podcast episode was looking at a theology of mobilization. So we spent you know close to an hour with the uh, the interviewer uh, talking about this very subject. So mm -hmm. I'm a big fan. I believe we need to uh, think missiologically or mobiologically or however you want to say it. We need to be thinking about this subject from the biblical. And it's the, the Bible's full of it. The Bible's mm -hmm. full of it. I mean, uh, the first thing we got on last night was the idea that God is a mobilizer God. You know, we usually, you know, in perspectives, we're taught God is a missionary God, and that's absolutely right, totally true. But he's also a mobilizer God. From the very beginning with Adam and Eve, he was mobilizing them to partner together to take dominion uh, and then to multiply and to scatter to be a blessing. So that is who we are as God's people. And the mobilization part of, of that is absolutely crucial to study. So, yeah. And, and in fact, uh, I would say we need more, uh, uh, what can we call it, graduate schools that are giving degrees even. I, I, don't, I haven't found really any degrees where in the academic realm at seminaries and whatnot, where they're actually theologically thinking about mobilization. It's usually just still centered on missiology uh, by itself. So absolutely, I'm totally on board with that. Yeah. Oh, I, I think uh, that's, let's come back to uh, the, the basics. Um, especially when we talk about mobilization, most of the time people are you know, thinking more like uh, mobilizing people or, uh, to, to become missionaries or, or recruiting right. process, right? But, right. But, I believe you and me, we're more talking about more like a total mobilization, yes. holistic thinking of mobilization, yes. mobilizing the God's church, all different kinds of resources, including money, people, time, yes. your, your, your attitude, your, your, your whole self. I mean, the church as a whole, right? Yes. Yeah. How, how, can we, how can we really get to that point? Uh, because, mm -hmm. you know, as, as mobilizers, we, we tend to take the shortcut. It's it's so easy to to have a you know a, a big rally and and with with lights and music and you know and, and very compassionate you know videos uh, about the, the loss of the world the poverty and all that and people are like pick me here <laughs> but but you know 
yeah. So, so a lot of people will will be excited and say, you know, I used to have this other call and and, and I say yes, but you know, my church is not happy with my decision, and yes. that's not the vision of, of my uh, you know, my, my church or or the uh, yes. my parents, you know. Yeah, let's come back to the basic. You know. No, that's that's where, and you're totally right. Mobilization is more uh, than recruiting a few workers for the nations. Now that's a part of it. And that, that is the end result. And if we do it right, and if we do it, I believe, according to the scripture, then we will see many, many more who will engage and lay down their lives to go to the unreached peoples, but will also have all the other uh, kind of important backup or support kind of components as well, as you said, mobilizing all the resources. Now, I think part of this for me is reading the New Testament and seeing how missions, even from the very beginning, uh, from uh, Pentecost, I mean, the very beginning birthplace of the church, right? Uh, the church had an, an innate understanding that the Great Commission was the center of who we are as a people, that they would understand their identity as God's missionary people. So we are meant to be scattering out. We're not meant ever to be kind of just in this four wall building that we like to call a church. That's not from the very beginning, the heartbeat of God. And so then you move forward and the apostle Paul, you know, the way that he planted churches was to put within that church, a theology, a, a mobiology, if you want to call it that, or, or a missiology, an understanding that that local church was meant to be reproducing itself. It was never meant to just be static, uh, kind of on its own. And so we've gotten away from that understanding yeah, yeah. today. So the Great Commission is no longer at the center of who we are as the people of God. It's way off on the side somewhere, uh, on the periphery, where someone says, okay, I have a department or I have a little committee that is for missions. Well, that was never the heartbeat of God. So what do we do now about that reality? We're in this situation now. So I think one of the things that the Lord is really looking to do is to, again, make the Great Commission at the center. You brought up a huge point. Our people go to a conference or something, and they raise their hand at an altar call, and it's real. It's sincere. They truly are moved by the Lord to make this commitment yeah, but then yeah. what happens? They go back to their church. They go back to their campus fellowship. And that group is not on fire for the same thing that they are now on fire for. Okay. And so what happens? They lose the fire. They lose the vision. And so what if instead of just sending our people off to a, a great missions conference, I mean, we'll keep doing that because that's part of the journey. And God definitely uses that. No doubt about it. But what if we added to the mix? then helping that local ministry where those people come back to so that that local ministry then has the opportunity to get on fire for missions themselves not just talking about missions once a year not just talking about it when you know when they go on a short-term trip or whatever but really putting it dramatically even at the center and that's a lot of what uh, our curriculum and training when we help pastors and leaders of local ministries we're giving them the tools to help them to do that. Now, we're not going to do it for them because this is your church. It's their place. 
But if we can help bring the Great Commission back to the center place, mm -hmm. get it off from being out here on the side somewhere, bring it back to the core, I think we will start to see some massive headway. And so you're absolutely right. This is the basic. We have to change some paradigms in how we do things in mobilization. And I think this is, uh, this is one of them, helping local ministries to really understand it and to uh, to internalize it, yeah. to make it their yeah. own, to, to care about this. Yeah. yeah. One one very last question. I think it's also very crucial and important as as um, as we we call ourselves mobilizers. How can we uh, really work together? Mm -hmm. I mean, come on. You know, uh, you know, people all have their own things. Yeah. Uh, you know, ministry uh, ministries are pretty uh, territorial. You know, this is my thing. That's your thing. That being called. A global mobilization network that that carries a lot of but you know it's it it takes a lot of um courage or or sacrifice to uh to really work with one another or, or just mutual respect you know appreciation yeah. to to uh to, to what you're doing and what they're doing and and some people are like prayer mobilizers some people mm -hmm. are like educational academic and but some people are like frontline how can we establish that kind of mentality and also like really appreciate what God has been doing around the world? Yeah, it's a great, great question. And, you know, I, I've been wrestling with that myself, and I know many people are uh, in the mobilization world. Um, I've been looking at Philippians chapter two recently and kind of been stuck in it. The Lord has kind of had, I keep going over it. I'm studying commentaries on it, really going deep in prayer about Philippians two. And it's all about this uh, kind of the idea of unity of our attitudes towards one another. So sometimes I think when we think of unity, uh, it's it's often kind of taught in such a way that, well, we, you know, we all just kind of are supposed to be doing the same activities. We're supposed to kind of be working in ministry all together. And and I don't I don't see it quite that way. And I don't think that's how what Paul is talking about. And I'm not sure that's what Jesus is was praying for when he said, I'm praying that they might all be one because we all, uh, well, Paul goes on in first Corinthians chapter 12, and he talks about the body of Christ being like a physical body, right? We are a body. And so there's an eye, there's an ear, there's a hand, there's a foot. And all of those things have different roles and different purposes and different ministries and different mm. specialties and different gifts. And, and that's all from the Lord. And that's beautiful. So back to Philippians chapter two, I, and back to your question, I think the key thing in unity is having an attitude of preferring others. Uh, what is what does the Bible say? As better than yourself, esteeming others and what they are doing, even if it's different from you. Okay, so there, like you said, there's a lot of different mobilization things going on, and it's all beautiful to the Lord. It's all wonderful. And so are we all supposed to kind of just get on the same page and do it all the same way? I don't think so. I think he's given each one different assignments on purpose, like that image of the body that has a different role. But, and you brought up the good word, respecting one another, uh, promoting one another, believing in one another. What tends to happen is we become a little bit of rivals with one another and a little bit of competition starts to enter in. And that's totally of the world. That's totally of the flesh. That is not the heart of God at all. And so I think in terms of how we can work together, I think yeah. we can share tools. I think we can share experiences. We should be learning 
from one another. Hey, you know, what are you seeing? What are you observing in, in your work in Ethiopia or your work in Egypt or your work in America, whatever? Uh, how are you doing this? What's working for you and sharing those, those ideas? Um, but not necessarily, uh, and some people might disagree with me on that, but not necessarily thinking, you know, we're all supposed to get on exactly the same page doing exactly the same thing. I think that would be forfeiting uh, much of the diverse and creative mobilization work that the Lord has given to so many different people. Um, but I, that's what I love about the network, though, is it gives us the opportunity to, to come together and to say, uh, hey, I want to learn from you. I respect yeah. you. I might, I might do it a little different from you, and that's okay. Uh, but let's talk. Let's pray together. Let's believe that God really wants to raise this thing up, all of us, together while we're doing it uh, a little bit differently the way that the Lord has led each one of yeah. us. Thank you. Um, brothers and sisters, this is Ryan Shaw from uh, Global Mission Mobilization Initiative. Thank you very much for your time. I think, uh, I, I need to wrap up now, but I would love to talk with you for another hour or two because that's, <laughs> that's how we uh, mobilize, you know, you know, just when you find somebody speaking the same language from uh, just yes. realize we're coming from the same tribe it's like yeah we are so passionate about what we're doing um mm -hmm. I, I think it's all for a good cause thank you very much for your time and it's just god oh, bless your journey especially in in such a time as this uh global pandemic and hopefully people can start to travel very soon and hopefully you know right. in the very very near future we can actually meet face to face yes. um, just, uh, just let us uh, say goodbye and bless uh, all those who will be able to uh, watch this and enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank, Thank you. you, brother. Thank you, everybody. It's been a pleasure to be with you all tonight.